You are listening to First in Human, where we interview industry leaders and investors to learn about their journey to inhuman clinical trials. Presented by Vile, a tech-enabled CRO. Hosted by co-founder and CEO Simon Burns. With episodes launching weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. For episode 28, we connect with Trevor Martin, co-founder and CEO of Mammoth Bioscience. Learn how Mammoth is utilizing CRISPR technology to develop innovative genetic treatments and what challenges a platform biotech company like themselves faces as they grow and work towards their goals. Trevor, thanks for joining us in Person Human. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little more about Mammoth. We'd love to hear the backstory and how I got started. Mammoth was founded five years ago by myself and then the inventors of the CRISPR technologies we work with, uh, Jennifer Doudna, Janice Chen, and Lucas Harrington from Berkeley. The genesis of the company was really this idea that there's this whole universe of CRISPR technologies that go beyond the ones that people are most familiar with, which are things like Cas9. And for those that aren't familiar with CRISPR, these are these technologies that allow you to actually engineer genomes. And I think of them as these search engines for biology, where you can actually program these CRISPR technologies, tell it to go somewhere in the genome, and then you can leverage that to do a wide variety of things. You can edit genes in different ways by either knocking them out, inserting a sequence, maybe even changing a single base pair. Or at Mammoth, we've also pioneered this technique of even using them to send out a signal flare to say that they successfully found the, the sequence of interest. The legacy technologies like Cas9 have now seen really immense progress over this time period. And there's actually patients walking around today who have been dosed with these legacy technologies. But when Mammoth was founded, we really saw that there remain these kind of grand challenges in CRISPR. Things like, how do you actually deliver the CRISPR technology into the body, especially beyond the liver? And how do you do the right type of edit once you're there? One of the big things that we pioneered at Mammoth starting even not just five years ago, but you know, many, many years ago through my co-founder's work at Berkeley is this area of what we call ultra compact systems. So these are systems that are really, really small physically relative to the legacy systems like Cas9. And that can be very, very important for effectively delivering, whether that's viral or non-viral. So that allows us at Mammoth uniquely to go beyond the liver, to go extrahepatic and to actually tackle these other tissues that using the legacy technologies can be very difficult to tackle all for this overarching goal of creating potentially curative therapies for genetic disease. So I think the genesis of Mammoth is this recognition of the importance of innovation to kind of solve these grand challenges of CRISPR. And now the evolution of the company has really been continuing to deliver on that innovation while getting kind of closer and closer to the clinic. One of the challenges a lot of platform biotech companies face is when to partner, how to partner earlier or later. What have you seen kind of lessons learned from, from your perspective and what advice do you have for other biotech companies building platform companies? I think in general, it's the classic problem of a platform is that you can do anything, but you can do anything, right? So there's different answers, I think, at each stage of the journey. Overall, though, one of the most important things for the platform is to understand what the differentiation is and what the use case is and how is it actually going to matter for patients at the end of the day. And even at the very beginning, you can start to think about that. Maybe you don't have all the proof points of like knowing, okay, I go this way or that way, but you can have a hypothesis about what is going to actually be different for patients. And I think especially in like a different macro environment where people are maybe less risk on and more risk off, it becomes all the more important to be able to really articulate, okay, let's assume everything works wherever you are in that platform journey. What is the product hypothesis you have? What are you going to do in the clinic? that is going to be differentiated from 
other platforms from people already in the space from other modalities or like techniques and i think that's a really really important question to answer right because platforms are awesome but at the end of the day you need to have a very compelling narrative both for yourself and of course for investors around because this platform exists what's going to be possible clinically that wouldn't be possible otherwise and really zone in on that and maybe the top application of that isn't what you do first. Maybe there's technical reasons why you want to tackle something else first, but there should be a clear narrative around how that's helping you build to that differentiation. You can't have just technology for technology's sake. Obviously, like innovation can be like super cool and exciting. That's all correct. But you need to combine that with an understanding of, okay, given that this innovation succeeds and we drive things forward, let's say like ultra compact systems, what's going to change in the world because of that that's really important for patients and ultimately for creating new drugs for them? We'll be able to go extra hepatic, go to tissues beyond the liver, and actually have potentially curative therapies there. Pika, you're right. Pharma partner is also a key challenge. It takes months, quarters just to get things started. And often cases, have you thought about kind of finding the right partner to build the technology with? Yeah, that's a really important question as well. And I think there at Mammoth, we have two really great foundational partnerships with Bayer and Vertex. And those are really exciting for a couple of reasons. So the first one is that there's complementary expertise that's being brought in. And I think that's a really important part that sometimes from the outside, people don't think about, which is, okay, are they bringing disease expertise, like delivery capabilities? What are things that would be very difficult or it's not your area of expertise to like build or get the technology in where you can more likely have a successful drug go to a patient at the end of the day than if you weren't working together, right? But I think that at the end of the day, is how also your incentives align because a partnership's awesome. But at the end of the day, the way the partnership succeeds is by actually having a successful technology that's helping a patient. And that you really have to think about at the very beginning, right? And it's going to be a long journey to get there. And that leads into the second part, which is kind of the cultural fit. So this is a long journey. Things will go well, things will go not as well. And do you think that you actually have a robust relationship that can be built so that you can double down and really celebrate the wins and then make sure that you're working together to mitigate any challenges. So I think there's the alignment around what the patient impact can be and what are you both bringing to the collaboration that can help you get there. There's the cultural aspect of this is a long journey and do you want to work together and do you think it'll be exciting and uplifting for everyone? And then the final component, of course, is the economics, right? And there's many different ways you can structure these around co-development, co-commercialization or more standard royalty-based pricing. And that starts to get more into the details of what stage the company is at. What is your expertise? What are you willing to spend at this stage and sign up for? That can change over time. But I think the first two are always true. You need to be aligned in terms of what the patient impact can be, and then also in terms of the cultural mesh of the teams. You're in many ways a poster child of the founder-led bio movement. And many people think it's having a moment where we're now going through a transition from the more traditional studio model of founder-led model. Do you think that's happening? And what do you think is going to keep the trend going or reverse it? Well, I think always examples of success and success here being measured as getting patients the treatments and diagnostics and beyond that they need. So I think that's going to be the ultimate arbiter, right? Is are you able to create especially differentiated products and therapies and bringing these technologies to places that maybe are even more challenging or riskier than going down like a traditional path? I think the other part to it that's exciting to me, other two parts is going back to your question about platforms Building a long-term company is something that is a little bit more rare in biotech. There's this intersection right now of founder-led biotech and technology innovation, where you do have these platforms that can have multiple products and maybe even get better at building each one as you see success along the way, which is a really important component of it being a true platform. <laughs> 
at Mammoth, we have this ambition to build a long-term company, to build the next Regeneron or the next Vertex. And that has to be backed up with the right technology platform, the right team and the ambition, and obviously the investors and like many other things. And I think in some ways that can be a more risky path as well, right? Than just going down a more traditional flip and maybe even preclinical and just kind of step away and let the big companies handle it from there. It creates a rare opportunity to A, have a bigger impact and actually see the technology reach its full potential. And B, of course, to build a lasting company on the back of that in ways that hasn't occurred as much in the past for whatever reason. That is a really exciting element to it is can we build lasting biotech companies with this new model where the founders are helping lead the company in addition to really experienced executives who know what they're talking about and have done it before, right? I think that's the unique combination that we've tried to build at Mammoth is having the founder-led ethos combined with really deep experience and knowing, okay, these are the things you should look around the corner for. And I think that's a very powerful combination and it not just being necessarily even one or the other. More generally, one good thing that's for the ecosystem is that there is a lot of innovation going on in biotech right now. And the more backgrounds and walks of life that can be involved in biotech entrepreneurship, I think is an immense benefit to patients at the end of the day, because there are Regardless of the macro conditions in previous times, like maybe in like the early 2000s, like the macro conditions were bad and also like, oops, we sequenced the human genome and we don't necessarily know what to do with it. So it's like you have this double whammy here. I think whatever macro conditions are bad, good sideways. I think there's never been a more exciting time for looking at what's happening in biotech and actual platforms that can help patients. So the more opportunities we have to actually bring this forward, and I think founder led is an important part of that, the better benefit for society. Let's talk about macro. Um, XBI hit a, a bear market before the rest of the market. It's been a long time now we've been in the bear market. How are you advising people to manage it? And when do you think this is going to shift? Do you have a, a sense? So I'm an eternal optimist, so always thinking it can shift. But I think in terms of planning and driving things forward, you have to assume it'll stay the same or get worse, right? What's the phrase? It's always darkest before pitch black. So you have to have that combination, in my opinion, of relentless, ruthless optimism and planning and just assuming that good technologies and the best teams will get through whatever macro environment. I think that is true. And at the same time, you know, making sure that you're planning and not assuming that there's going to be like a magical change in macro conditions. And that's what's going to unlock something. I think that's a very dangerous thing to think. And lastly, maybe as an internal optimist, you can give us what you're most excited about in 2023, both for Mammoth and also for biotech and all things next generation generally. For Mammoth, continuing to move closer to patients. So at the JP Morgan conference where we gave a talk this year, we talked a little bit about some of the items, things like NHP studies, things like especially driving forward what we call CRISPR plus modalities. So these are like non-double strand break methods like base editing, gene writing, epigenetic editing, and combining that with our ultra compact systems so you can actually do all-in-one delivery, even extra hepatically. I think those are some of the things that we're really excited about coming up. And more generally in biotech industry, I think it's what I mentioned around just the immense amount of innovation coming out of all sorts of areas, especially academia and the impact that can have for patients. I think that there's a bunch of different trends like synthetic biology, including what we work on at Mammoth, like CRISPR continues to advance. And as now we're seeing better predictive methods on the statistical side for like understanding the basis of disease, we're getting like ever bigger sequencing data sets you know, that we can feed into that. There's just all these different trends that will come together in very interesting ways as we become better at both engineering and understanding and creating the building blocks of life. And I think it's hard to predict even what necessarily comes out of that. But the one thing you can predict, I guess, is that if we play our cards right and we do have 
diverse backgrounds and like many people that are really interested in leveraging these technologies beyond the lab and bringing them to patients, that it'll be a much better world we live in 10 years from now than today. Well, let's hear the internal optimism and excited to see what the progress in 23 holds for you guys. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google 